feelings are as real as anything in the world. I actually think they're more real than this table, than this computer. Like feelings are so real and they don't just evaporate into the ether. And when we refuse to recognize them and honor them, they will go and get stuck, like you're saying, stored in our bodies, which is why as a therapist, I'm eliciting those feelings out. My goal is let's get them out in a safe way. So those feelings of hatred, those feelings of rage, those feelings of betrayal will stay stuck in us. And I believe that that all mental health issues are rooted in suppressed feelings, especially of anger and betrayal. We believe that you are strong by design and you were made in God's image to have a strong body, mind, and spirit. You're listening to the number one strength and health authority podcast in the world. So let's get ready to unlock your potential and transform your life in today's episode. Hi, and welcome back to the Strong by Design podcast. I am your coach today, coach, your host today, my goodness, host, Coach Tanya, here with you. Happy to be here today. Have a very special guest. I have Bronwyn Schweigert. I hope I said that correctly, or at least got it close. And um, yeah, been really looking forward to having Bronwyn on the show. I was reading your bio again this morning, and um, this is going to be a very interesting conversation. So quickly for our listener listeners, you don't look, consider yourself, you don't fix people's messes. Your goal is to elicit feelings that people are most ashamed to have, such as hatred and betrayal. So this is going to be really interesting because you're going to you're going to talk with me about why it's okay to have these feelings, how you work with people and these feelings to help them actually achieve and be what they want to be. So welcome to the show, Bronwyn. You're, thank you, Tanya. So I'm a therapist. I'm not sure you said that. I just want to make sure that's known. I, well, yeah, <laughs> I'm not just someone who elicits feelings. I'm a therapist who right. elicits feelings. And, yes. and in contrast to a lot of therapists, that's kind of why... I, I say that because um, the reason I became a therapist was later in life. This is my second career um, because I really desperately needed a therapist and I couldn't find anyone who was good. And I was so depressed at the time. I was barely functioning, but I, and I went to multiple therapists and I remember thinking, you know, I can hardly function, but I'm pretty sure I'd still make a better therapist than these people. So, um, so yeah, I do elicit those feelings because they're there. I don't invoke feelings that are not there. But, you know, humans living on planet Earth feel betrayal and anger and profound disappointment and even hatred um, all the time. And we, we have a weird relationship with feelings. Like a lot of us think I can only feel one feeling towards someone at a time. So, for example, if I say, well, it sounds like you're, you really resent your father. They'll say, no, no, I love my father. And I'll say, yeah, of course you love your father, but you can also feel resentment towards your father. If we're honest, we all feel love and resentment towards the same people all the time. If, you know, I see a new mom who has postpartum and she'll say, I love my baby. And I say, yeah, but you know, if we're honest as a new mom, we all resent our babies because they are, man, they are making our lives so hard. 
And the little bees come in and uproot everything. They uproot everything. And they're like a black hole. They don't give much back. I mean, maybe there's a little giggle, you know, around six, seven weeks, but they're just like a black hole. Like they don't stop and go, hey, thank you. Thank you for giving up all your sleep and your body and everything for me until they're maybe, you know, in their 30s, they don't do that. So we can be honest, like, yeah, I resent my child. I resent my father. That doesn't mean I don't love them. So we feel feelings of resent, of resentment, betrayal, hatred, and also love. Those are not mutually exclusive experiences by any means. Yeah. I I love, I love that. I'm going to call it a fresh, a fresh take on it because I, I mean, I do think anybody that's either, I think most of us, if not all of us at some point or other have dealt with depression or gone through it. When we go, life, life, life takes us through ups and takes us through downs. And I think in my opinion, anyways, it's a nice fresh perspective because you can be, um, it's like being given permission to, for somebody just acknowledging and going, yeah, you're a good mom. Like you're doing all the stuff. You're doing all the things, all the things that we're told we're supposed to do and, you know, giving all the appropriate responses and putting a smile on when the last thing we feel like doing is smiling because deep down you may love these people. They may mean the world to you, but right now you just don't like them a whole lot. And that I think is normal for many of us, but it's hard to admit that and to say it. And then when you do fall into a pit where just it feels like life is not working, feels like there's no hope, um, that would be an added other thing to have to deal with. Like, why, why do I feel these things for people that I love? I'm not supposed to feel this way about people that I love. And God forbid I say that I feel this way about people that I yeah. love, right? Yeah. So there's this real like pressure to not be authentic human. And humans are messy. We feel all kinds of feelings at one time. And why do we feel the need to judge our feelings? Because feelings uh-huh. aren't action. They're not actions. They're actually involuntary. We cannot control what we feel. If I feel disgust or, or hatred, that's just a feeling. And in fact, I believe feelings are God-given. And, and my feeling of you know disgust is actually telling me something. It's actually telling me like, hey, don't trust this person. They're, they're actually, this feeling is here for a reason to tell me, don't go with that guy because there's something creepy about him, whatever. Why should I ignore that? Why should I judge? Oh, I shouldn't feel disgust, right? That That's not a nice feeling. You know, let's not judge yeah. our feelings. Let's see them as good. They're there to tell us something, to give us information that is really critical. And a lot of us grew up, don't be angry, be a good girl. You know, it's like, no, anger is like a dash. It's like a light on the dashboard of your car saying, hey, check under the hood. There's something wrong. Something needs repair. Something needs attention. So we cannot ignore our feelings and we need to stop judging our feelings because feelings are not actions. Actions we are responsible for, we are absolutely accountable for. Feelings are involuntary and and there's no good feeling or bad feeling. There's no right feeling or wrong feeling. We don't need to judge them. We can just say, okay, because the more honest I am about my feelings, the more I'm able to say as a new mom, you know, I love my daughter, but I really resent the hell out of her sometimes. The more I'm able to be honest, those feelings now are going to be less likely to stay inside my body and actually change my behavior in ways I don't want them to. So being by being able to express them and give them language and not feel ashamed about my feelings 
now I'm free to actually love her more with my behavior. So it's it's counterintuitive. If I don't feel entitled to say, hey, I resent my newborn, um, that resentment is still there, but now it's going to like work its way behind the scenes and be more likely to be expressed by my actions. Yeah, I, I love that. And I'd like you to talk even a little bit more about that because I love, there's a lot of things about what you just said that I love. I love how um, I wrote it down. I was writing notes here. Yeah, it's not a nice feeling. And I, I that was something that um, I'm not always, but probably when I hit like my 30s, started wondering, well, like, why do, why does it, how come, like, why does anger have to be necessarily negative? Sometimes feeling anger, like you said, is a, is it's a huge warning sign. It's a, it's a flag. Like I'm feeling angry, or I don't see, I don't really, I'm being introduced to this person and kind of forced to have a conversation or be in, engaged in some way, and I'm, I just everything in my body is going absolutely not. But now I'm being rude and I'm being so we whether whether it's necessarily negative or positive, like said it is. We attach. We do we attach a feeling to that feeling. So all of a sudden I'm feeling like I don't something doesn't feel right. I, I want to get out of this situation, but I don't want to be rude because all of that stuff is negative as opposed to there's a very good reason probably why every system in my body's going stop. And we well, we've become I think we're getting better at it, but I think a lot of us, especially in our age group and how we grew up, because you know, things like children should be seen and not heard and always respect like all the rules, social rules you're supposed to follow. Um, but I'd like to see where it becomes a little more freeing where that we, what we are teaching, you know, we teach kids about stranger danger all the time. Well, that needs to extend into like all aspects of our life. Cause sometimes if what you're feeling is like a bad thing, which cause we're told it's a bad thing, is actually a warning signal or there's a reason not, you know, unless you really are a terrible mean person that hates everybody, you know? <laughs> Yes. So knowing that feelings aren't there, you know, we say feelings are negative. I don't even like that. I'm just like, let's just be judgment free about feelings. Let's see feelings as, you know, intuition, our body telling us, hey, pay attention. This is there's something here. Um, So good or bad or right or wrong. There's just no morality to our feelings. But what we do with them that's what's important, right? And so if we listen, um, so, you know, you said be nice. So my 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 daughter's 19 and she was over uh, the other week for dinner and she said, mom, I'm not a nice person, but I'm a good person. Or no, she said actually kind. She said, I'm not a nice person, but I'm a kind person. And we talked about what that means. She said, I I don't just placate people. I'm honest and I'm assertive and I don't just take anything, but I'm kind. And how actually doing that is truly kind. Um, enabling people is not kind. And so what you're getting at, if I'm like, oh, I shouldn't feel like put off by this person that does kind of put me up. I shouldn't do that. that that's wrong. If I do that, I'm actually enabling that person in whatever way to to do whatever they're doing that's wrong, and and that's not kind. Mm. No, no, it's I, I love the way you put that. I love the way she said that because um, there is, I think, there is a big difference in like kind versus nice. 
you know, like when you're kind to me, just the word kind, it feels like it comes from the soul, yeah. from the heart, yeah. you know, where nice can be very, you can be nice to somebody, but on the surface, yeah. but otherwise maybe not, not so nice. So kindness is, and kindness is, kindness isn't always doing the, the pretty nice feel good thing. You know, um, people that are parents of, or spouses of people with addictions and things like, we can go through the whole gamut of things, but um, at some point it, it's different, varied uh, situations, relational, business, whatever, community. Um, kindness sometimes is saying the hard things in a, in a way that's um, respectful, but necessarily, not necessarily what somebody else wants to hear. That's exactly, but that is kindness. That's exactly right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So what do you, what are your feelings on like stored emotion, especially the ones that we've been sort of uh, groomed to be like, you shouldn't feel like that. You shouldn't say those things like you should like, you know, um, those things being stored because if we're not, if we're not acknowledging that, like we're not allowing ourselves to like letting it bubble up and let it, let, let ourselves feel it and then kind of go, well, where's that coming? Where, where's that coming from? You know, is it a warning thing? Is it maybe past trauma or something? Is it a trigger? But what is your response to, or what are your thoughts on that staying in the body? Yeah, so it's funny because feelings are invisible. And I think we think in Western, you know, modern society, oh, they're invisible. So, you know, they just kind of evaporate into the ether. And and I actually think feelings are as real as anything in the world. I actually think they're more real than this table, than this computer. Like feelings are so real and they don't just evaporate into the ether. And when we refuse to recognize them and honor them, they will go and get stuck, like you're saying, stored in our bodies, which is why as a therapist, I'm eliciting those feelings out. My goal is let's get them out in a safe way. So those feelings of hatred, those feelings of rage, those feelings of betrayal will stay stuck in us. And I believe that that all mental health issues are rooted in suppressed feelings, especially of anger and betrayal. Um, I believe also that all addictions and all compulsions, compulsive behaviors are also rooted in suppressed anger that is in our body. Yeah, well said. I, I would agree. And I actually um, have done other podcasts with therapists or people that work in like the, the health industry that would agree, you know, uh, these feelings, these emotions don't just dissipate like nothing, like vapor. Um, they take root somewhere in the body. You have, um, on some of the information you sent me while I was getting ready for the podcast, one of the things I highlighted here that I wanted you to speak about was why there's no such thing as an angry person. Because I think we've all, I myself included, have said, well, that she's just angry. She's angry. I've never known her not to be angry. She's just an angry person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that phrase really gets to me because to me, it's like saying, well, she's a breathing person. Because who isn't an angry person? Who doesn't have anger? I mean, so we humans live on this planet um, and on this planet, on planet Earth, things are not ideal. And whenever the real and the ideal are, you know, there's a deviation between what we ideally want and feel maybe entitled to or ideally long for, whenever there's a deviation away from the ideal to our reality, we're going to feel angry or we're going to feel disappointed or we're going to feel 
frustrated or hurt or resentful or betrayed. You know, that's just how humans are. And that's most of the time, if we're honest. So um, so the woman that you're referring to who seems always angry, I would say, well, she's someone who really wears her anger out on her sleeve. And my suspicion, if she's someone who is always acting angry, is that her anger is uh, actually at something very different, but it's just always being expressed, the, not at the root, but it's kind of symptomatic of suppressed anger at something else. But, you know, we all have anger. So I don't like that he's an angry person. I don't want people to perceive me as an angry person. Well, everyone's an angry person. We all have anger. And the ones who are the nicest, those scare me the most. Those people who are outwardly, <laughs> like, yeah, so nice. I'm like, oh, what? What are they like when they drive on the freeway? What are they... What kind of horror movies do they watch? Like, I really wonder where their pathology comes out, where their anger comes out, and what what they're doing behind the scenes. The ones who are pretending to be so nice and so not angry. Right. Okay. Cool. Um, you also have here uh, another like topic is like why anger management ultimately why it doesn't work because I like anger management. I mean, it's it's so prevalent in terms of, I mean, if something happens and you're, you know, you have to go to court, you might be told you got to do like three weeks of anger management. It's uh, any, you know, if you're involved in a divorce with children, it could be, it could be, you know, said that you have to do this. So, I mean, it's anger management as an industry is a big industry um, that comes in to help companies and families and communities. So, in your opinion, though, it doesn't work. Why is that? It doesn't. It's just like, you know, modern medicine. It's just treating the symptoms, managing the symptoms. And if you're not getting to the root, it's not going to ultimately work. So, um, yeah. So I would say, the, where, what's the root? You know, and that's why I'm the evocative therapist, because I'm like, let's get to the root of the anger and let's finally express it. Because and I think you're saying like a lot of therapists you've talked to would agree with me that there's this root anger that's suppressed or stored in our body. I think I haven't, though, found a therapist who would necessarily agree with me on how we undo it, how we unroot it. I think a lot of therapists are like, yeah, it's there. But I haven't really seen anyone um, that I've, you know, found find a solution to how to permanently unroot it and my solution that I'm at that I've arrived at is just expressing it with someone who hears you who can get angry with and for you not at so let's say my boss like you know is just abrasive and horrible to me one day I'm not expecting it I'm not able to express my anger with him at that moment right but let's say I come to you later, Tanya, next week, and then I am able, and I would, I would, as a therapist, I'd say, what did you want to say in fantasy right then and there to your boss? Tell me in fantasy. This is a safe place to just like, and I'd say, what, what do you, when you, when you think about what he said and how he shamed you and how he threw you under the bus in that moment, what did you feel in your body? What do you feel in your body right now? Oh, you feel like there's a knot in your stomach. Okay. Tell me right now what that knot in your stomach wants to say in fantasy when you think of his face while he was doing that. And so we do that work of literally expressing the feelings out, uh, externalizing them out of the body, getting unstuck, and 
it, what, and it's a safe place to do that. And then we work on, you know, helping um, each person connect with their anger and and have develop a healthy relationship to their anger. So a healthy relationship isn't suppressing it, but it's also not exploding either. That's not that's another dysfunctional relationship with anger. So we can arrive at a healthy relationship with anger, which is like the next time the boss does that, I can say, hey, you know what? That's not okay. I mean, that's it. That's me channeling my anger in that moment. That's what real anger can look like. Something as simple as, you know what? This isn't okay. Okay. So what about, I'm just making notes here. Um, like the example you just gave us, you know, like connecting, acknowledging, and 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 being able to in that moment I won't use the word exercise it in that moment in a be- in a better way. However, have you ever had have you ever worked with anyone that just their their way of exercising their anger is they need to be loud, they need to smash a plate. They're just like it's an explosive. And then when you know, because some for some people, um, I would think that that might be what it's almost like a release. It's just they, they throw something yeah. and they feel better. Just well, it just that, but in uh, or not. Feel yeah. better but it's like you need that explosive yeah. release like what what's your comment there well the or research you- yeah there's actually been research on that that it actually doesn't um make people feel better and the reason is the more people express their anger in that kind of way it actually recruits other brain circuitry to the anger so it actually makes that person more angry i think we can all relate to that in some way like uh i'm not averse to a swear word i can i think swear words can be very therapeutic at the right time but in the moment like let's say we like you know um stub our toe and then we like swear on top of it it makes us more angry it actually makes us feel worse i feel like it kind of does the same thing i think it's the same kind of principle so really the only way i think humans are made to really externalize those feelings is through language only with someone who empathizes, who doesn't talk us out of our feelings, who doesn't try to talk us down. Blondwin, well, let's let's look at it from his point of view. No, someone who is a hundred percent empathic with me in the moment and and invalidating my feelings. And you know, maybe I am a little off base. Maybe the boss didn't know what he was doing at the time. I can figure that out after I've externalized all my rage. I can be logical because now my upper brain, my upstairs brain can come back online and go, well, yeah, now that I've externalized all my anger, I actually don't think he was aware. So I don't need anyone else to do that for me. What I need someone else to do for me is hear me, validate me, be empathetic, be angry with me and for me. Oh, yeah. No, that, that, that makes sense. Now, one of the things that I found that I, I love the way this was written in um, the profile that I was sent is that you, you know, you're working, you work with people, and but you especially love playing midwife, like what you do. So talk to, explain that to us. Like, how is what you do? Because I think it's actually after reading, reading your bio and talking with you, I'm like, that's the perfect term. But explain it for our listeners, what you mean and what that looks like. Well, it's funny because I, so I just have one child and I had her, she was a home birth and I loved the midwife um, because she didn't intervene 
except when necessary. And I know in hospitals, doctors, it's all about liability. There's just so much unnecessary intervention. And there's kind of in the modern medical, there's like a lack of trust of that this woman's body actually knows exactly what to do. The body knows exactly what to do, how to birth the baby. There might be some things that come up that there are going to be necessary interventions, but there's this general trust that like, well, her uterus and her birth canal, like they know what to do and I'm going to just be here as needed and only do what's necessary. And it's this, this relationship of trust. And so as a therapist, it's with me, you know, I'm like, you, your body knows what to do in how to externalize and process these feelings if you trust me. And so my job is to be trustworthy to my clients by not trying to talk them out of their feelings or, you know, playing um, devil's advocate, but like really attuning to them. And I believe they know what to do and how to process and get heal with me there, but not intervening more than necessary, if that makes sense. Okay. Okay. Now, you also think you're not just, not only do you have a master's degree in counseling, but you also have one in nutrition. I do. How much of a role does nutrition play in people not only just like like exercising their feelings with like their ability to work through the process with you? Because you work with people like you've had success with people breaking free of things like depression, anxiety, bipolar. So that's a that's a lot of big stuff. When we start talking about mental health, that's a pretty impressive umbrella that you you know you provided help and like actually helping people break free of that. So with along with being the midwife for the mental health aspect, how important a, a role is nutrition in all of this? You know, I'm not sure how important it is. Um, I think I used to believe it was much more important. What my relationship to the nutrition piece now is I have found what, and, and I have personally experienced this. So I, like I said, I became um, a therapist because I was so depressed. And I was a nutritionist who was so depressed. And I knew the power of eating well. And I did eat very well somehow. I somehow managed to. Did it help me? No, it didn't help me. But what I find is when people start doing well, when they start expressing and externalizing the anger out of their bodies and all the feelings out of their body, they naturally come to the next session and they're like, you know, I started gardening and I'm shopping at, I'm shopping at, you know, um, farmer's markets now. And I'm, I'm wanting to cook more and eat out less. And I'm wanting to exercise and I'm wanting, and I'm, and, and as a nutritionist, I would try to talk people into these things and it wouldn't last for very long. And now as a therapist, I see people, I and I believe I, I see food as a way to self-nurture. And I see once people get better, they want to self-nurture in all kinds of ways. Like I'll have clients be like, I finally cleaned my bedroom. You know, that's when they, they're, that, and that is a sign to me, they're finally doing really well. Right. I'll, yeah. No, it makes sense. I think if you, when you start to feel better, and the picture around you becomes a little brighter, a little clearer. It would make, you know, it would make sense that you would feel like doing more because you, you've got, you just got a, a light, a lightness, and uh, probably feel like you're capable of doing more with success. Because if you're feeling sad and depressed, you don't feel like there's much point because there's going to be no success. You know, it's very can be very difficult to see beyond just here in front of you, right? Um, 
what about now we're going to be, before we tie up, we're going to make sure we let, we let people know where to find you. But before we completely close out, what I want to ask you is what are like three, three to five uh, tips or suggestions, suggestions that you could share with our listeners. Anybody that either is maybe they're feeling, um, they're kind of feeling a little down or they have those moments where like they feel like they feel angry or they feel resentment, but they're just, you know, trying, trying to keep it all together and put on the smile and look like the good person to the world. What would, what would be your suggestion to people like in, like right now, starting today, what are some things they can do to help them just, I don't, I don't want to necessarily use the word unpack because then I'm implying that everybody's got, I mean, we all have baggage. I can't say that. <laughs> but what would, you know, what are some tools and, and tips for it just right now, today, yeah. driving home, making dinner, yeah. picking up the kids, yeah. you know? Yeah. So my first, that's a great question. My first would be your anger is valid. It is not bad. Please don't pathologize it. It's mm, valid. It's there for a reason. It's a barometer telling you something's wrong. So whether you choose to be assertive or have a boundary with this person right now, that's up to you. But before you even get to that piece, like just know it's there for a reason. It is valid. It's not pathological and it's a barometer that something's wrong. So just know, even if you, you know, someone just made me mad, I don't necessarily have to express it, but I can say, Ooh, I'm mad and that's okay. That's an okay feeling to have because. Yeah. That wasn't okay that they said that. So that's where I'd start. Good one. Okay. And then, so just to build on that, once, so, because I think that's, I think that's a good place to start, just a, just recognizing it, becoming aware. Like, and when you get sort of, that becomes more familiar and it feels more natural to be like, oh, I'm feeling it again. I'm getting, you know, I'm sitting in this rush hour traffic again and I am really angry right now because I really don't like this commute. When you're in that moment and you're feeling that, but you're just like, you're just, you're angry. What, what can they, somebody that's sitting in that rush hour traffic and they're going to be late mm. for dinner and mm -hmm. they're mad, mm -hmm. they're sitting there, they're recognizing it, they're allowing it, but then what? Well, yeah. So just to say, you know what? It's totally okay to be really mad right now. Um, that doesn't make me a bad person. That, that a shameful thing. That is because a lot of us shame, then we feel shame on top of the anger and shame is is evil shame is there's no um there's no benefit to shame i should say there's lots of benefit to every other emotion but shame has zero benefit and we cannot shame ourselves so just go you know what it's it's okay to be so angry right now that is totally okay i'm not a shameful person i'm just human having a normal human response to something that is objectively infuriating Love that. Okay. It's okay to be angry. So okay. And it's okay to say you're angry. It's okay to recognize it. What about, I got one more question for you. What about how do we go about if we feel, especially, I mean, not that we can't do it with teenage and older kids, but starting little, because I think that's kind of the biggest impact. For those people that are listening that have young children, how can they talk to their kids about this? Like how how can we better communicate and educate our little ones on this, they don't have to be perfect and happy little soldiers. All How do we talk to them about we it? We don't um, talk to them as in, hey, let me talk to you. We, we model it 
by, you know, let's say they're in the backseat and we're driving the car and we're stuck in drive. We say, I'm so angry right now. This is so frustrating. So we can model it in that way. We can model it with them and say, hey, Johnny, it's totally okay that you're mad right now. Of course you're mad. Your sister just bonked you on the head. But it's not okay to bonk her back. So we can validate his feelings and say, I don't blame you for being really angry. I don't blame you, Emily, for being really angry that the play date is over. Of course you're angry because you hardly you've hardly seen your friends since school started. So we validate their feelings, which teaches them not only that their anger is not pathological, but it teaches them they're not shameful and it teaches them that they matter to you because now they're like, my feelings matter. I matter. That's how kids feel like they matter. And when kids feel like they matter, ooh, that is powerful. Game changer. Game changer. That's a game yep. changer with your kids. It really is. It really is. And they're actually usually a lot more willing to listen to you oh, yeah. even when they don't want to. Why would, why would they listen <laughs> if they don't matter to you? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Bronwyn, how, um, like we're going to include this. So those of you that are listening, this will be in the show notes, but right now for those that may be at home sitting at their desk listening and have, you know, a, a pen by them, where can people find you? So my podcast, you know, I talk about all of this ad nauseum. Uh, it's called Angry at the Right Things, and you can find it wherever you subscribe to your podcast. Great. That's awesome. Bronwyn, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to jump on here and have a conversation with me. I think this is great. I'd love to have you back and talk more about all of this, particularly um, with, you know, like really uh, raising our kids. I think that's I think that's uh, an amazing thing. So thank you again. This was really wonderful. And um, you have an amazing day. Thank you to those of you that are listening to us right now. um, So nice to have you join us for this conversation. Remember to give us a five-star review. Tell a friend and share the podcast because we're all angry people. (laughs) We just need to know how to unpack it. How about we're all human? We're all human. We are all human and there's no need to shame anybody, especially ourselves. So thank you again. This is Coach Tanya. Take care, everybody, and we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe so that more people can find out about our show. Plus, you don't want to miss any future episodes with the amazing guests and topics we have lined up for you.